Hello and welcome to Work, Rest, Slay, the podcast for the Image Business Club. My name is Melanie Morris and I'm Group Contributing Editor at Image Media. This podcast series is the place to come to for a concentrated burst of business mentorship as we ask our guests to basically condense and share their key experiences so that we can all live and learn in their footsteps. Today I'm talking with Lara Strahan, founder of Lolly and Cooks, a food business known to hundreds of thousands of people in the Dublin area. Lolly's style is that of delicious home-cooked food, the sort of things we'd all love to create if only we had the energy and kitchen surface space left after completing the monster shop necessary for such an array of meals, treats, snacks, soups and cookies and signature savage sausage rolls. As adept at blasting off a business plan as she is recipe tasting in the kitchen, Lolly is one of those women who, I'd say, can pat her head and rub her tummy at the same time. A seriously great all-rounder. She's agile too. The Lolly and Cook's business has grown, reshaped and reconfigured countless times in the 13 or so years since the first Lolly and Cook's food stall popped up in Dublin's Georges Street Arcade. The Lolly & Cook's empire then moved into more substantial bricks and mortar, with signature cafes appearing all around town, most significantly Marion Row, Grand Canal, Herbert Park and Charlemagne Street. Naturally, and as with most in the world of hospitality and catering, the past 18 months has seen huge upheaval, but blessed with energy, a clear head and a terrific team headed up by her business partner and sister Chirpy, Lolly was one of the nation's entrepreneurial leaders, quick to respond to the ever-mounting restrictions and steer her business through the choppy seas of change into new waters. There's so much to learn from Lolly, from the serious nuts and bolts of business to the nuances of personal development and positive mental attitude. I don't think I've ever seen Lolly without a smile on her face, but now I think of it, um, maybe it's more a determined clenching of teeth. What is it, Lolly? Are you waving or drowning? <laughs> Firstly, hello and thank you for joining us. Good morning, <laughs> Melanie, and thank you so much for the lovely introduction. <laughs> uh, no, I'm really smiling. Don't worry, it's not a fake one. <laughs> but it has to be said, it is one of my mantras because smiling really does cost you nothing in terms of you know, facing your customers on a daily mm. basis. I mean, look at, let's face it, we all go into many sort of shops and services every day and, you know, you will remember the ones where the where the person behind the counter has smiled at you, may be bothered to learn who you are if you're a regular. And loads of our customers are regulars because coffee, let's face it, is something, you know, we're creatures of habit. We'll have the same coffee every day, probably five days a week if we're going into on our way to work or on our way to the school run. It doesn't cost anything to learn the customer's name. Mm. And it's lovely to go into somewhere and for someone to say, you know, your usual or, you know, flat white, uh, coconut latte. It's nice. And if it's delivered with a smile, I'll go back there. I definitely won't go back to Grumpy Pants next door, you know. No, I just won't. And, you know, at the start of, you know, March 2020, whenever it was, 2020, I actually threw out my Nespresso machine or I gave it away because I thought if I sit at home and push a little button, I'm literally going to become a hermit. So, in fact, your coffee experience first thing in the morning is probably one of the first interactions you're going to get with somebody that isn't your family. 
Do you know, it's absolutely true. And we were very lucky with the old pandemic because coffee did suddenly surge. Mm. And so because we were able to stay open for takeaway. Now, there was a t- there was a period when we were closed all over. And that was, you know, at the beginning when no one knew whether we were coming mm. or going. But when we reopened for takeaway, coffee sales absolutely rose high. And that was brilliant. And exactly like you said, people just wanted to get out for whatever it was. No pints, coffee. You know, brilliant. Mm, mm. So um, we were banging out the coffees. We were very lucky to have sustained some sort of a takeaway business. Now, obviously, sales were way down, but we did manage to uh, adapt slightly in our takeaway um, offering. So we adapted our food offerings as well. So everything is now prepacked. I'll get, can get to that a bit later. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, the whole business um, model has changed. But with coffees, it definitely was a huge and a smile with the coffee. No bother. How do you take your coffee like? Well, I like a coconut flat white. Oh my I've god! I've moved from milk. I have high cholesterol. Oh god! So I now no animal fat okay. apparently. Uh, so I've moved to my coconut milk, and actually I love it. Yeah, yeah, all good. And That's... actually, milks are massive now. Different milks. I find them probably. I think it's about fifty percent of people aren't drinking dairy milk anymore. So your team have to engineer the smiles even through the hugely convoluted extra shot, double blab, single <laughs> oosh. It's sounding very American now, isn't it? But I think, you know, it's it's easy done, mm. easy done. And, you know, there's an extra charge for it as well because they are, they do cost extra. But people, I think, are much more in tune with what they want now. They don't mind spending a little bit of extra yeah. to have, the, you know, perfectly what they want and what's good for them. And do you instill smiles on all the team? Is that one of the ground... You can't force them to smile, but, you know, remind them they're going to have a lovely, yummy lunch break. Um, And, you know, I mean, if it's a happy environment, there's no reason why they shouldn't be smiling. And at the end of the day, we do have to dump our personal life at the door Mm. regardless. Mm. Um, So, you know, if it's a happy environment, there's no reason why they shouldn't be smiling, you know. So listen, will you go back a little bit? Because we all know Lolly and Cooks, but Lolly and Cooks isn't an overnight. (laughs) No. 13 year overnight sensation. No. What's the little backstory behind that? So the backstory is I moved to London for a couple of years. I just needed to get out of Dublin. Now, I had been working in food before moving. So whether it was in restaurants, waitressing, I worked in a couple of delis, um, managing a few small places in Dublin, really enjoyed food, knew probably that I was always going to end up in the service industry and Mm. in the food side of things. Um, so I moved to London. I end up working for uh, a man called Oliver Payton. Some of people might know him. He's on the Great British uh, menu, menu, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so he had launched, uh, just was launching a lovely little chain of bakeries called Payton and Byrne. So I managed to join him to help launch the first one. And they really are just lovely, amazing food. He's got great concepts and the design was lovely. And that really was what inspired me to decide to come home and open Lolly and Cooks because even though it wasn't just the food it's the I'm mad for the design the logo the branding you know I'm very very conscious that you could go into a somewhere small independent have a really good meal and then come out and tell somebody about it and forget what it was called yes forget what it looked like it just you know and then I it made me think branding is so important and I love the design part of it so it's really it's it's went hand in hand with the look the shape the feel you know, the welcome as well as the food and the standard of um, product and offer. Can I ask you, did you know Oliver Payton or how did you know the job? No, totally by accident. He has a bit like me, family run business, mad bunch of sisters working for him. Great crack. Just happens to fall into an interview with his sister. Uh, They're Irish as well. So, you know, there might have been a bit of that. You know, we get the quick wit and a bit of crack. 
and just fell into the job and I had, a, you know, I had a ball. How long did you do it for? It, only 18 months. Oh, great. Yeah, listen, but you picked up picked, loads. I learned loads, Melanie. I literally, it was one of those great jobs where you, I worked my arse off now. They didn't expect anything less. But through doing that, I learned from back of house, front of house, books, you know, margins, everything, all the things I didn't know. I hadn't a clue. Yeah. So I was able to come back with a little bit of knowledge under my belt, enough to go, ooh, let's go and try and find something small. And did you literally go from landing back on the flight? Not shortly after. I think I came back in May and the store was open before Christmas. That was 2008. Yeah, Yeah, I know. And I was very lucky now. I got... You know, it's not you can't just go and open a food business. You have to have a little you have to register your business. You have to have a commercial kitchen. I can't be making sandwiches in my house with, you know, a dog and a child or whatever. Mm. Not that I had either at the time, but, <laughs> you know, you can't just do that. So I felt, got very lucky. I found a tiny kitchen in the Spade Enterprise Centre on North King Street at the same time as getting the little small lease for the stall in Georgia Street. So that was a real stroke of luck and opened that. And that was it. Fell into it. I remember that time was cupcakes, sausage rolls and quiche. Yes. Am I right? Absolutely right. Now, the sausage rolls weren't there from the very first day. They came a few months later. There's a story about that. I decided one day, you know, we really need a good, there's no good sausage roll to be had in Dublin. And I may have had a few glasses of wine. I'm going to make one. Went off, made a rake of sausage rolls, brought them to the store the next day, sold out really quickly. And chirping my sister went, do you have to go back and make those? And I was like, I can't remember how I made them. Oh, go on. <laughs> I don't remember what I put in them. So anyway, back to the drawing board. Few, uh, few um, lashes of trays of sausage rolls. Finally got them out again. And that was it. Wrote down the recipe this time, which I'm desperate at doing. I'll just throw things together and so forget to write them out. You're actually a bit of a cook as well as a waitress, as well as a business plan writer, as well as a location scout. Oh, yeah. No, I love cooking. That's actually what I love the most is coming up with new recipes. It's just that I've been dragged away a bit from that through over the years, obviously, with everything else going on in the business. But that's really what the heart of it was, was the good food. And then my sister brought in the kind of coffee side of things in 2008. Dublin was still a bit behind on coffee, you know, it was just an American. I don't think there was a Starbucks then. There was, but not on Drury Street. We yeah. were the only coffee on Drury Street at the time. Now, sadly, the stall is closed, mm. which is very, which broke my heart now this year with COVID and everything. But that's another story. Um, we were the only coffee. There's dozens of coffee places there now. Yeah. Now the Irish are drinking a lot more coffee and we know a lot more about what we want. But at the time, I was all about the food, didn't give you know, yeah. a top about the old coffee. Cherpy brought that in and now that's as big as the food sales. So Cherpy, your sister, when yes. did she join the business? She was, in fairness, making sandwiches for me at night from the beginning. And then eventually <laughs> I kind of went, you know, I think we're going to open another shop and I think you should come in and work with me. So she came on board. She's great. She's really good at front of house, really good at customers. I mean, the customers all love Cherpy. Mm. Whenever she goes back to work in one of the... the you know, one of the cafes that she hasn't been in for a while. The customers are like, oh, my God, Sherpy, where have you been? So she's great. Um, so we joined forces and, and that was it, the two sisters. But you're very naughty to her, aren't you? I've heard of stories of things that you do to her. <laughs> your equal business partner. <laughs> I am a bit bold. Yeah, she's not. We're not allowed to tell her name. She's only, <laughs> she's only allowed to sign that on check. She's been Sherpy since she was born. She used to whistle in her cot. And dad called her Cherpy and I wasn't allowed to tell anyone her real name. So you'll have to go and find a check for that. But tell me about utility bills. 
signing leases on new premises. Oh, yeah, there was a little <laughs> bit of that now. Now, see, Chirpy <laughs> would be the real, like, logic head of the business and I'm a real flyaway. So I did maybe trick her into signing a new lease for a business um, property by pretending it was a utility bill. <laughs> And we, in fairness, she did laugh out loud about it. You can only do that to your sister. <laughs> you can only do that to your sister. Yeah, no, we've had we've had a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Now, in fairness, that 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 lease has worked out. Thank God. Thank the Lord. Yes, but there is a great kind of in it together sense between the two of you. There is, and look, we've been through loads. You know, um, she has two kids, and I have one daughter. She has two daughters since we started. We juggle children together. We juggle everything together. It's you know, the, yeah. There's definitely things that we can do because we're sisters that we could never do if we weren't you know do you live near each other we do we're only like I'm in Dublin 8 she's in Ranala so we literally we we basically timeshare the children and you can tag team at school absolutely and yeah deliveries and things yeah it's, it's, oh, it's pretty it's pretty handy in fairness. so share another nugget with us um, so um, now Chirpy again would be on these ones really going the extra mile for customers you know, so, I mean, for instance, we have an ice cream machine now in Herbert Park and thank God it's been like smoke coming out of it for that 18 months because <laughs> every, everyone has been outdoors. So Herbert Park kind of saved our asses now, in fairness, over COVID. But so so this is a good example of going the extra mile or just kind of, you know, doing what you kind of have to do. One in every four children is going to drop their ice cream. <laughs> it just happens. You buy the ice cream, you hand it to the little child who looks it up and down and plop. And, you know, at the beginning, I was like, really? You know, and the, ch- and the mother will look at you and the child will look at you and you, you can't be charging them for another ice cream. No. So you hand over another 99. And so, you know, I went, you know, would just take the hit. It's not any fun for a moment to have to buy another ice cream because her child has dropped it. But there's a big plop of ice cream right by the stand. God, I'd say the dogs, <laughs> the dogs around there. The dogs are just <laughs> hanging out for it. But, you know, you know, people appreciate it, you know, and I'm sure there are places that will charge you for the ice cream. But, you know, it's a kid's paradise down there. Just going the extra mile, giving the extra ice cream, looking after the kids. It just, it, again, it's another it's another way of making people smile. But it's a kindness. And I think if you feel that kindness radiating towards you, you will go the extra distance to go back to that ice they cream They do. Machine. Do you know what? You're mm. absolutely right. They do. And, and customers will say it. Oh, you're always so good here. You know, and so you know that they're going to come back and they'll tell their friends. Mm. Like people will always say that um, customers will be very quick to tell something bad, but they actually are as quick to tell something good. I think, you know, they will pass on good karma. Yeah. Yeah. Talking um, of good karma, you have a nice social media story. Don't oh, you? Melanie, social media. Do you know, I did when I realized the power of social media now, good and bad. And funny enough, these are two van stories. But back in the day now when Twitter was probably quite new, I'd say it was um, around 2012 and we were down in our kitchens. We'd moved down to our kitchens um, in the Liffey Trust Centre down by the port. And I got we'd one little van, little little branded van. And one morning I got a call about six o'clock in the morning. The port manager was like, Lolly, the van's been stolen. And I was like, what? Like, it's only a tiny little transit joke. And it's branded. So anyway, jumped in the car, thought, great, right, better get down there, get the deliveries in, get get going. And in the meantime, brand new to Twitter, I was like, right, we'll get a little thing going. You know, Lolly and Cook's van being stolen and um, keep an eye out. And the few followers we had, somebody picked it up now. I think it must have been somebody uh, media savvy or somebody mm. with loads of followers. And lovely, lovely, wrote a lovely, put a picture up of the van and hashtag find the van. 
two an, an hour or two later it was trending find the van I had people in all of our customers in our cafes coming in and going have you found the van I'll go on so I um, somebody said to me listen you should use this now I'll put an offer out and I was like what do you mean put an offer out you know cupcakes or something so anyway we went on to social media and said right 200 cupcakes for anyone who finds the van so you wouldn't believe it that later that night so the van was off gone I did all the deliveries about four o'clock in the morning I got a call from a police ma- police officer going um, we found your van and I was like what he goes I was like Listen, I'm in a home with a kid here and so he's like don't worry I'll come and get the keys what? Key, and we'll go and get it and I was like okay brilliant like, anyway found out later that day it had been a DJ from Spin uh, who had been stumbling home from a party in Artane and seen the van just parked up <laughs> And he hashtag found hashtag the van. Hashtag found the van. Literally went viral again. It was just such a lovely story. So we had pictures of him coming in to collect his cupcakes, 200 cupcakes, a couple of days later. I mean, it was a lovely story. But that just shows the power, the goodwill of all the customers behind us, of the goodwill of the public, just because you know, we're a tiny little cupcake company, you know. But equally, um, it shows that there are good things about Twitter. It's not all just mad keyboard ranty warriors. Do you know what? Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And that was just such a lovely little story and the, and, and the feeling of goodwill behind us. And then cut to another little social media story, again about a van. This is a few years later now. And I had, now this is probably Instagram or Facebook, can't remember which, but it was a direct message came in from a customer and he was furious. He said, your branded van has just nearly run me and my family off the road. Like driver insane up on the, I think it was on the M50 or something. And I was like, what, what, what is he talking about? We had mm. no driver out in the M50. Suddenly I realised it was a van that we had just traded in for another van. The branding was still on it. That it was being driven by whoever. Some nut job. Yeah. I literally got straight back onto the guy and said, first of all, thank you so much for the direct message and not. And he even said, you know, I, w- I would going to post this online, but I thought, I'm, you know, I'll I, I direct message. I said, thank you so much. And when I explained to him, he's like, well, look, at, I'm so glad I did just direct message you. Mm. Um, and anyway, all cleared up, rang the garage and said, do you know what's happened? I nearly, you know, got in a lot of trouble. But again, goes to show how easily that could have gone on to the public forum and would have been really, really hurtful for Lolly and Cooks. But just tiny little mistakes like that, you know, you don't really know what's going on before, you know, you, you investigate. So there but you go. But that all takes a lot of time and a lot of eyeballs and a lot of conscious mind energy. It does, but it really pays, I think, to have somebody or even I usually do it myself, but have a little alert coming in for anything on your social media because if you deal with it quickly, it mm. can be, often you save a huge amount of trouble. Even even real complaints, you know, about something that, you know, I had a shit sandwich or, you know, absolutely, if you dress it quickly, uh, you know, find out where what the problem was. G- give them a re- not just a refund, a free lunch. Mm. It, you know, customers are happy about that, and everyone has the right to complain. Just if they can give you a chance to rectify it, or you know, come back to it, yeah. it makes life so much easier. You must work twenty two hours a day, do you? Not anymore. Okay, <laughs> I know it's great. Now I used to, and coming back to one of the, my nuggets of delegating, uh, I used to work around the clock, like literally from early in the morning to late at night. Um, but I don't anymore. But that's all about finding a life, work-life balance, a healthy work-life balance, not going towards burnout, not having to do everything yourself. Now, there is a stage in growing your business where it's unavoidable 
having to do most well, things yourself. Well, it's the you, 10,000 hours. You know, Malcolm Gladwell, who says you need to spend 10,000 hours at something to become an expert. Absolutely. And mm. you don't have the finance to be outsourcing it to somebody else. So there is always going to be a period in the growth of your business where you have to do most things yourself. But I would advise anyone to try and keep that period as short as possible mm. because that's where you just head for burnout and life is just completely miserable then. Now I have a lovely life where now in fairness, um, because of COVID and, and a few things that have happened, we have scaled back, downsized, made um, our business model much more manageable. But I have a, a proper life now. You know, How did you do that? Because that's so much easier said than done. Um, now, I, I knew before COVID that I had to start delegating to avoid, you know, my life going into total tailspin, which it did anyway. But once I got out of it, I knew that I had to have a proper life and delegate. So I just had to pull people up and give them responsibilities that would relieve them from me. Do you put time in the day towards working out what that could be? Yes. Your delegation? Yes. So it's like a task in itself. It's, it is. And it's totally worthwhile completely worthwhile otherwise I just go back into doing things unnecessarily and tipping the work-life balance all over again so tell us about the burnout so I would say once I, I in that period of time that I was that I was talking about where it's very hard to delegate you haven't got the money to hire in somebody else to do all these jobs I end up working and I have a newborn as well so I have Jasmine my daughter who's you know, she's born in 2010, the, but the company is still in its infancy. I'm juggling a million things. I've separated from my partner. Um, I am drinking way too heavily. I am doing drugs to keep me awake at night. And I'm suddenly realizing that I'm all alone. And this is really going into a very dark place. Mm. Um, so a couple of years of that ma- managing Melanie, when I say managing, but barely managing borrowing from Peter energy wise energy wise exactly until I finally went I've got to get myself help and I did and I checked myself into a recovery program and thank god I did because this was only two only over just over two years ago wow and before COVID because I feel so sorry for people who had to go through that you know, in any kind of uh, mentally anxious state. So luckily I got myself cleaned up and taught, I was taught loads of lessons, given a bunch of tools on how to get out, look after myself and delegate. How did you manage to have the, um, I suppose, the helicopter view of what was going on in your life to say, I need to do this? Well, now, I was suppose I was kind of lucky. Well, I was n- never really under any disillusion. Okay. I kind of knew where I was headed. Now, I'm not saying I'm smarter than most addicts or anything, mm. but, you know, there was no there was no two ways about it. I wasn't going to get out of this on my own. So I just kind of got my ducks in a row. I went into work. I just said, this is what's happening. I'm going in for a month. So you told them in work before? I did. I said, you are going to have to hold up the fort. I emailed all my close friends and said, you know, this is where I'm going. Can you please include my daughter in any family activities? I luckily have two very close sisters and uh, a a close family network who I said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to look after my daughter. Now, it was all perfect timing. She was going away on a big holiday with loads of family friends that we all do every year. So the timing was set up. Everything was good. Off I went. So you project managed. Project managed my recovery. <laughs> but it worked so far. Touch wood. But you know what? 
I know this sounds ridiculous, but it takes an awful lot of the emotion out of it when you go, okay, here's a job I need to do. Do you know what it does? And, and that's what it kind of needed to be. Yeah. You know, it was another job on the list, but it had, I had to make it a priority. And, and I had been for six months prior to that going, okay, I'll do that when this is done until eventually went, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep pushing it to the bottom because I'm no good to anyone. And I'm sure it wasn't a direct line. I'm sure it wasn't as easy as walk in the door, walk out the door. How did you make yourself accountable that this was not going to be a yo-yo situation? Um, I, in fairness, I got some great advice from friends who had done similar. Okay. I went straight to them and said, what do I do? How do I get there? Um, the program I did, I went to St. Pat's, was brilliant. I knew I, like, I was complete SWAT. I was a nerd of the class. I'd be going to lectures twice. <laughs> I literally Seriously? was. Seriously? Nerdy recovery girl. Yeah. So you immersed yourself I immersed in myself in it. Um, it's not. I knew it wasn't going to come out. It was going to be easy. It can be. It is hard. Every mm. day is still hard. But it's easier. And, you know, I just, you know, I have to do it. So if you had, I'm sure you're asked this all the time. If you had tip, a tip or two for somebody who maybe the last 18 months has seen them maybe drinking a little bit more wine than they used to or going out of routines that maybe would have been good for them. Yeah. What tips would you give them? Um, look, I think everyone really knows underneath it all. I mean, they say that um, a lot of people, when they get to a bad stage, they are in denial. But actually, I don't really think that's true. I think everyone knows deep down that they are doing too much of something. And I think a lot of that has probably happened over lockdown very easily. That's why I'm very grateful that I managed to get into this program before lockdown. I'm sure it's a, a struggle. Mm. But I would say, um, check yourself. Check yourself. See, do you need help? What can you do? There's loads of help out there. I know there's a lot of it being available at the moment because mm. of lockdown. Mm. But... Um, yeah, try not to spiral. It's just the harder, it gets harder. And, um, you know, are there any overriding things that you took out of St. Pat's that maybe you had a light bulb moment about or that helped? Um, oh, God, loads. I mean, they really do tool you up. Really? I'd say a lot of people go in there for one thing. Like I could have gone in there saying, oh, do you know what? I'm really going in to get clean from drugs. I'd probably be able to come out and have a glass of wine. Forget it. Really? Forget it. Addiction is addiction. And there's, you need to just... Forget it. Because a glass of wine could make me think slightly non-laterally and go, well, maybe I could do something else. Yeah. Just forget it. It's not worth it. And so what have you swapped? The, because am I right that you were, your, your kind of time was the evenings when Dad yes. was asleep? Yes. I self-isolating, really easy to do, especially as a single parent. I like my really, I've hats off to lots of single parents. So you weren't swinging in. from the rafters at parties? No, I mean, I would have back in the day, but yeah. this was really joyless, yeah. joyless abuse of alcohol and drugs. And it not like the, there was no joy in it. So and what have you swapped this for? Ice cream. <laughs> Just, so that's why you ice bought cream. the machine oh my god I've upgraded the machine and everything ice cream now I never had a sweet tooth and you know what I'm just going to roll with it mm -hmm. <laughs> I have to try and have less now because I really can't keep going but it's not going to kill me Yeah, ice cream and my sweet tooth is way way up and I guess it's because it's, there's a huge um sweet con sugar content in wine mm. Mm. I couldn't understand it I was like why am I eating so much sugar ah there you go doesn't matter doesn't matter. Enjoy. I'm enjoying it. I'm so going you're to, eating it, not drinking it. I'm eating it and not drinking it. There you go. But I'm actually exercising, which I never would have done back in my dark days. Not a chance. Yeah. Listen, I'd be lucky to get up and wash my hair back then. So now I'm exercising the ice cream off. 
very good. Well, well, I hope. <laughs> um, but yeah, sugar. And um, has this brought clarity to your work? I mean, you were always on the ball with work. I was always on the ball. Now, I mean, I wasn't as on the ball when I wasn't well. But uh, yes, of course it has. You know, everything's much more enjoyable. You know, life isn't much more fun in sobriety, Mm. but it's so much easier. Mm. So much easier. And feeling well in the morning, I don't miss hangovers. Mm. You know, so yes, everything is. I mean, work is much easier. I mean, you know yourself if you have had a night out and you're hungover. Your workload is just so. Not good. Any tips for burnout or to avoid burnout? Um, again, back to the delegating. You know, right. if you're finding that you are doing everything yourself, it, it it's fine for a short period of time, but definitely get help. Do you think women are bad at asking for help? Horrendous. They Why? say men are, but I think men are for directions and you know things that they don't want to look bad about. Yeah, I think yeah. women are, are worse because they're expected to do a lot. Like we're juggling kids, and a lot of us are working very hard. So, you know, and also because we know how hard other women are juggling, we find I can't be interrupting my friend there with four kids and a full time job. Mm. So mm. you kind of go, no, no, listen, get on with it, do it yourself. We're very self sacrificing, aren't we? Very. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't work. No, no one is an island. Not in the slightest. We have to learn to ask for help. Yeah. And the thing is, like as girlfriends, we're really good at giving it. So, mm. you know, ask for it and, and give it. Well, it's that dialogue and it's that cliche. Would you say that to your friend? Would you treat yourself the way you treat your friend? And yeah. Of course you wouldn't. No, exactly. And your friends will help. Mm. You know, I have learned a lot of things. I've learned to say no to things that have asked for of me that I can't do instead of rearranging my life to do it. Mm. And I've learning. Well, I'm learning still to ask for help. And people love helping. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you've helped them. They really want to return the favour. So come on, girls. Yeah. More help. Get to it. Yeah. Ask. Yes, <laughs> ask. And I think women are appalling for the retrospective asking in a way like, oh, I should have asked. That. Yeah. I should have done that. Yes. We need to cop on and really Cop go, on. Yeah. It's the beginning you need to ask for help. No? A- absolutely. There's yeah. no point in asking for it when it's too late. Yeah, no, definitely. Keep Tell asking. me how your parents help you because I, th- I love the fact that your business is a full family business. It is. It is. So my mum lives on a farm in Tipperary. She moved down there 10 years ago, started the farm by herself. It was just crops. Started rearing, um, oh God, like Dexter, uh, Dexter beef, sheep, chicken, the whole lot. So we started buying from her. So it's actually a really nice family business where the meats and the eggs are coming from my mom in Tipperary. Now, in fairness, we do need to buy more on top of that because she's not rearing or producing enough. She needs to up her she game. She needs to up her game. I know. <laughs> but at least the great thing is all the stuff that's all the product coming from her is such really well looked after. All the animals have names. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, it's the food chain is largely coming from there. Mm hmm. Um, and the farm is lovely, like all her granddaughters now would love going down and playing there. And it's, you know, it's a great um, hub, yeah. hub to lolly and cooks. And my dad is just like this ever supporting person and has been. And God love him. He probably took one look at me tw- 12 years ago and went, Jesus, like a food stall. Oh, God. Right. You but know, he's God. got a really strong business head. He does. He? Yeah. He's mm. done some great things and he's very philanthropic and he uh, just he's very. Uh, he's just great. He's like a little cheerleader on the sideline the whole time, as well as being giving us great business advice. So how old is Jazz now? Jazz is about to be 11. And what does she do in the business? Uh, Jazz, well, now I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> she's my biggest cheerleader, although she's getting real smart, Arcee. You know, she'll be, we'll walk past Starbucks and be like, will we go in for a coffee, mum? I'm like, 
don't even start at me. <laughs> Anna will we now? <laughs> she is uh, turning 11 and actually like she's gone from just loving Lolly and Cooks because it's free food, mm-hmm. free drinks off the shelf. Um, she's now finishing school, walking down to our cafe in Charlemagne Street, doing her homework and now learning the fine art of barista make coffee making. Handy. Yeah, and she's loving it. I'd like to get on the till, not quite trusting her with the money aspect <laughs> yet. But yeah, no harm. She's, you know, she can learn the, the few tray tricks of the trade. Brilliant. Yeah. Now tell us another nugget, especially where it comes to product. Okay, so product. Uh, this will come largely in uh, the huge adapting of the business through COVID. So I always had this dream and probably the way we started out where we, you'd have all these big, lovely salad bars, Ottolenghi style, you know, huge, big, heaving bowls of salad. And we did and we did a lovely self, not self-service, but we would serve the customer, fill up their salad box Um charge at the till uh, COVID hit and we thought okay we're going to have to pre-pack these salads so we now have four key salads that we pre-pack and it only took that for me to look at the margins and go oh god this was a bit late in the day um, there's some things that I want to stand over that just weren't making financial sense yeah you know, uh, the waste of the salad bar, the time taken to fill it up, the questions asking the customer, would you like this, that and the other versus the return on it was just ridiculous. And I suddenly realized that my what I wanted to do for the customer wasn't making sense. And that actually I'd been struggling for 10 years to pay back debt. And really, the return at the end of each year was minimal, wow. whereas I hate to see a pre-pack, but now I'm looking at going, this is a really nice salad in a box that can be grabbed off the shelf and it's a better return and it's a quicker. And, you know, the customer, it's probably really handy. We don't like to admit it. Completely. Much handier. They're taking off the shelf. It's a lovely salad. It hasn't been manhandled. It's, you know, it's safe now. And we're we're looking at things from a whole new um, uh, view with safety and non-touching and you know even though COVID is still around a little bit I think there's a few things that will probably stay like that so yes we have a lot of pre-packed products things aren't out in the open air it wasn't my original dream but the margins are hugely different and maybe I'm going to be a little bit more savvy now mm. because it took a pandemic to make me go oh oh <laughs> but the point is, not only are you still standing, you're thriving. We are thriving. We're smaller. We had to close a few cafes. Was that hard? Um, Closing Georgia Street was hard. Mm. The little baby. Yeah, you know, I have a daughter and a business that both grew together. Mm. And literally, she was strapped onto my back serving, yeah. serving coffees from Georgia Street. So it was a bit emotional. Mm-hmm. But again, one of those decisions I had to make. Yeah. So we're down to four thriving cafes now which I think can make it despite the fact that the revenue is still nothing like pre-COVID but because we've adapted and brought down the overheads like we were only 15 people working for Lolly and Cooks now there was 68 of us wow now we don't do gigs anymore we don't do I'm not going to do them really you're not no, going to go back to it no we worked blood sweat and tears for what seemed like big returns but in actual fact we have warehouses full of kit we'd have to bring in staff the mental drain on organising these things were was not worth it but it's also you probably finish your day's work and then you go out and work absolutely yeah. I was going to write who's doing this breakfast gig at five o'clock in the morning for so and so down in wherever, wherever yeah. it is yeah. no that, this is why my life is easier give us a little bit of advice on 
debt management and the boring, boring financial important side. Do you know, that's another thing I've learned. Well, I mean, I should have learned it years ago. I mean, I started Lolly and Cooks with a family loan of 20,000 euros. Now, that sounds like a lot for a little stall. It's not. You have to set up a kitchen, put in the equipment, you know, uh, pay your rent and uh, a deposit for both the kitchen and the stall. Uh, hire people, get a uniform, get your, you know, it's, it doesn't last a minute. So each time we expanded, we'd get a loan. And they're not big loans and most of them are paid off now. But it meant I've been constantly making sandwiches to pay off loans. Mm. And any tiny extra bit went into the business. So everything we have has been the extra bit on the top instead of getting decent finance, which is really hard to get, in fairness. You can't walk into a bank and they laugh you out of the place, you know. Mm. But it's worth getting an investor, maybe, or having enough money so the burnout doesn't come. You're not doing everything yourself and you're able to equip the business. So that's, that's where a business plan, I know I'm kind of humming and hawing, you never really stick to it. But being able to maybe pitch it to a potential investor and not be afraid to give away a little bit of your company because you might need the expertise and you definitely might need the finance for something in the business that I'm in. You know, for whether it's, the kit is expensive, the leases are expensive. It's also peace of mind, though, I would imagine, by giving somebody a percentage of your business yes. in return for peace of mind. Yes. That's and now I've learned now, it's uh, don't be afraid to give it away. You know, inv- find somebody with the expertise and the, mon- and the money. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah that's a lesson learned. Anything else on your list? Or will I go to my list of questions? Go to your list, <laughs> Melanie. Go on. <laughs> right. Okay. This is the quick fire round. Okay. Okay. Because um, things that we all want to know to up our own little toolbox. Okay. Okay. What is your work uniform? Ooh, it depends on what I'm doing. Like sometimes I'm actually scheduled on in the cafe to make eggs in the morning, which I love. So I'm in the, the uniform. I'm in mm-hmm. my white t-shirt, my Lolly and Cook's um, apron. So scrambling eggs in Charlemagne Street or I might be sneaking off for a sea swim that morning, which I love to do for the old head. So I'll be in quick release pants and T-shirt. <laughs> um, but whenever I can, if I have nothing on, I try and make a bit of an effort, a bit of lippy, a bit of a skirt and a top. But yeah. it's not, you know, it's not it that It does regular. make a difference to the old mindset, doesn't does it? does. Wash the hair, yeah. pair of earrings, garish necklace, whatever it takes. <laughs> It's all armour. Exactly. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. No, no. So, yeah, it totally varies on my day. Great. Yeah. Um, the big meeting. How do you prepare yourself? Are you a preparer? Are you a wing it? Are you I a bit of I have to say I'm a wing it. But do you know what? It's probably because I don't think I've had any big meetings. <laughs> Does Chirpy oh, usually come with you? It depends on the meeting. Mm. Um, it really depends. I wouldn't say I've had any big meetings where I felt I needed to prepare to be anything other than myself. Which sounds ridiculous, but yeah, no, I mean, you're going in with yourself for most meetings anyway. So you're selling, I'm selling me and Lolly and Cook. So there's not much I can do. I have to say, I think you can trip over yourself if one prepares too much, because it's like that difficult phone call that you write down all the options yeah. and then somebody goes off piece yeah. and you're left with nothing under your feet. Yeah. And then like at the end of the day, it's going to come out who you are anyway, isn't yeah. it? Like I can go in and pretend to be, um, you know, no nonsense Nancy, but <laughs> I'm not, you know. So, yeah, no, just be yourself. Who has been your biggest cheerleader throughout your career? 
suppose it's going to have to be Jasmine, my daughter, even though she does totally take the piss out of me the whole time. <laughs> like I said earlier, you know, she we've learned to spit at the doorsteps of big coffee houses, even though she'll be like, well, should we just go in and try them? <laughs> um, she ah, she loves it. You know, she's proud of me in fairness. And it's nice for her to be able to go into school and say or take the her friends to the cafe and say, we'll have a little bit of lolly and cooks mm. now. Um, even though in fairness, she's been through me with all the hard work of it as well. She doesn't know any different. Like I said, she they were reared together, Jasmine and Lolly and Cooks. Yes. Um, so They're sisters. They are sisters, literally. I mean, she arrived, you know, not long after Lolly and Cooks arrived. So she doesn't know any different. She has to be my biggest supporter. Great. Yeah. Um, so in terms of you were talking about how you've learned to delegate. So in your mind, what, what, what are the things you delegate out and what are the things you grab first? Right. Well, my, you know, if I could just spend the day doing one part of the business, it would all be about the recipes, the food and the creativity side of it. Um, mm. Like I said, I'm big on branding. I, I, I'm proud that I've built the brand of Lolly Cooks because I think it's as important as the food that it represents and the, and the coffee it represents. So I would happily spend my day um, posting Instagram loveliness and, you know, designing new posters and displays. I love the look um, of the displays in the cafes. I would ha- all I want to do is outsource anything financial, mm-hmm. bookkeeping, HR makes me want to vomit. Yeah. Um, basically anything that they're all important. Health and safety. You know, I've had to learn about them. I've had to do them. But I'm very happy to let other people take control of them because look, let's face it, you can't do everything. And the dream is not, I didn't dream, wake up one morning and go, oh, I can't wait for a bit of HR this morning. <laughs> bit of health well, and safety. <laughs> I think the worst thing is to try and take it on board and make bags of it. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what? And you can't do everything. So I've had to learn the basics as the business owner, but I'm very happy to um, pass it on to somebody else. Zoom virtual meetings for or against? Um, I personally hate them, but I'm for them. And obviously, since lockdown, we've all learned how important they are. And and actually, do you know what? To when I think about it, and people not being able to fly off to London for a business meeting, um, they kind of reducing the carbon footprint as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Like a bit a meeting that can be done on Zoom, instead of you know heading off on company expenses and having a lovely day of it. Probably sound terrible saying that, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do think they are a good idea. I think they work from some things more than others. Like I'll still go to support meetings for my recovery. Dreadful on Zoom, really. Well, you really need a bit of the, you know, um, body language for those kind of things. I've done them. It's hard. And does somebody always take over? Um, not necessarily. People are good. It's just it's much more difficult in, without being in person. I do therapy online, which is fine. One on one. Um, I find meetings one on one much easier. I do find the Zoom with lots of people difficult. But then again, necessary. And I do think that they should stay where it's cutting out a lot of travel. Yeah, they have a place. I yeah, think. they do have a place. Um, you walk into an event back in the day. OK, and let's yes. hope events are coming back again, because we all know as a business owner and leader, you need to network. It's not easy. You walk in, you don't know anyone. What do you do? Do you know what it is hard? And my first instinct used to be, or still sometimes it would just to run to the bathroom and hide. Mm. So now I think the thing to do is to find the most interesting looking person or find somebody who even you think you might have someone in common with might be wearing something a bit wacky and go and introduce yourself. Yeah. It's hard. But I think once you've done it a few times, you actually find that you will suddenly 
find yourself in a group of people and be having some kind of interesting conversation and learning something fab. I'm hoping that the coffee station returns because it's always a good yes, place to it's like the water cooler, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there's always yeah. somebody with a cup and saucer <laughs> rattling. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, for sure. But it is hard. I can remember going to something in London once and people were not being very friendly. Let's be honest about it. And I can remember going like, I'm going to do one lap of the perimeter. I'm going to go to the loo at the other side of the room and then I'm going to walk back. And if I can't find somebody to talk to on the way back, I'm going to walk out the that's door. That's a fair plan. That is a fair plan. And <laughs> but you always find somebody. You do. Well, yeah. that's it. You will always find somebody that's just got something that you'll draw to. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your exercise regime, because obviously sea swimming fits in. Sea swimming. I became an all round sea or all year sea swimmer um, when lockdown started. And that is really now from for my mental health more than physical health. I mean, it is lovely, obviously, uh, for physical health as well, but I'm not a strong swimmer. So it's really just about jumping in. And funnily enough, I found that it was more beneficial to me in the winter when it was freezing. Oh and I just gave you a slap in the face. Yeah. It was brilliant. Now, and I wouldn't be it wouldn't be every day. I try and go maybe twice a week, three times if I was lucky. And I will keep that up now. It's brilliant. It's brilliant for the mind. I highly recommend it. Anyone who's suffering any kind of mental anxiety of any sort, throw yourself in the ocean. Freezing your it brain. It is freezing. <laughs> get the old mitso and the and the socks. You know the water the the wetsuit ones because yes. I get the horrible um, white fingers and toes. Oh yes. Jump in with them. You like you don't even ten seconds in the freezing winter. Just it'll just sort your head out. Couple of foodie questions. Yes. Top tip for a really tasty, easy breakfast. Well, now I have to just be Lolly and Cooksish on this one because I run, I go past Lolly and Cooks every morning on my way to school and I literally grab a brekkie pot, which is just delicious homemade granola, Greek yogurt and berry compote. Oh, yum. It, that's it. And I love it. Have it every day. Now, on the weekends, I'll have delicious eggs to follow. Yeah. But that is quick and easy and probably pretty good for you. Um, actually, you're probably ticking all the boobs. Yeah. <laughs> now, the avocado, are the days of the avocado numbered? Well, since stand? learning about how much water they need to grow, I can't only guess that, yes, they are um, numbered. They've also got that really hipster rep now, haven't they? They're spreading it on everything. I love avocado. I am a fan. Um, but I'm going towards nut butters now. I know they've been around and they are getting bigger. But again, I'm c- trying to cut out uh, animal fat. So dairy butter gone nut butters are awesome yeah. and there's loads of good makes out there now loving them spread them on everything give us a few tips nut butter tips oh like I just love them on crackers I even throw some of the lovely branded um, nut oils into rice um, I mean literally spread them on everything there's there's, there's some great Irish makers so are you out going there. plant based I'm not okay I want to say I am, but I'm not. But I'm trying to definitely cut out meat. You're dabbling. Dabbling. Yes. We all know flexi. what dabbling I'm a flexi. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. No, I'd love to do a, a, a line of plant-based food now for Lolly and Cooks. I am cutting out um, meat and I'm, I'm, I'm cutting down on fish a little bit as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, I, no, I'm not going there ho- fully in, but right. definitely dabbling. Yeah. Uh, something you want to achieve before New Year's Eve 2021? Um, for Lolly and Cooks, that actually, I really would love to have the time now to concentrate on some very good plant-based meals because there is super ingredients out there and there's way more um, scope, 
you know, I mean, a few years ago, it was just lentils and mm. rice and chickpeas. Um, I would like to have the time now to get really creative and bang out a nice short line of plant based dishes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, well, if you would do them, that would be great because it means I don't have to try and cook them for you. Anything. Excellent. <laughs> uh, OK, I don't know if you have anything on your fingertips, but best piece of advice. I'm going to end on this one. Best piece of advice you've you were ever given or a mantra that you live your life by? Um, hands up, baby, hands up. And this is to do with owning your mistakes quickly. And this is something the first thing I will teach any new employee. Um, if you've made a complete balls of it, own it quickly because it can be fixed. If you've made a complete balls of it and hide, that ball is going to completely roll down the hill, get bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're going to lose a customer, lose a client, and I'm probably going to fire you. But same goes for myself. I've done it. You know, back in the day when you've gone, oh, shit, I've made such a hame to this. Can I get away with it? Like nine times out of ten, you're not going to. Even with customers, if you've made a balls of it, tell them straight away, fix it. Everyone's going to come out a winner. And can we also say own your successes too? Yes, absolutely. Take do you know what? Praise. No, you're absolutely right. We need to do more of that too. Hands up for that. Hands up for that. Brilliant. <laughs> Lolly, thank you so, so much. What a lovely, lovely hour of engaging tips. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. I've had a great time. Welcome back, everyone. So in conclusion to this podcast today, I have to say, I think the most valuable lessons I've learned in my life have come from wise women who've gone before me and generously shared not only their experiences, but also the outcomes they've gleaned from them. And I think Lolly has given us plenty of food for thought there, no pun intended. Um, so once again, a massive big thanks to her and to the image team, Sophie Power, Simone Kennedy and Bill O'Sullivan and Cassie Delaney and the gang at Tall Tales Studios for their help in the production of this podcast. If you are already a member of the Image Business Club, I'd like to say a big thank you to you for signing up. And we hope that you're enjoying the premium content on image.ie, the masterclass how-to events, the magazines and your signing up gifts. There's plenty more of all of that to come, along with some extra happenings and bonuses now that our country is hopefully opening up and getting back to normal. One such bonus is a free ticket to the Image Business Summit, which is in partnership with PwC. The two-day ticket is valued at €75, Euro, but as I said, it comes complimentary to our business club members. So if you aren't a member yet and interested in finding out more, please go to image.ie and click on the Business Club tab at the top for all details. In the meantime, I hope you're enjoying the podcast series. I'll be back in another few weeks and we have a schedule of some of my favourite Irish businesswomen lined up from now until the new year. Women whom I love to hear speak and ones who have plenty of enviable experiences and successes that we can all learn from. So if you wouldn't mind, please be sure to subscribe to Work, Rest and Slay so you get a notice pinged when the next series in this drops. And of course, we'd be thrilled with any likes and comments that you'd share below. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great month.